Welcome to the This Girl Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hussey, and this is the podcast for women who sail. My guest today lived through every sailor's worst nightmare, losing their yacht at sea and being rescued. But as I found out, this is only a very small part of her sailing journey. Charlotte Kaufman is a sailor, writer, mother, and founder of the Women Who Sail Facebook group the largest online group of women sailors in the world. It was wonderful to speak to her about her sailing experience, her rescue at sea, what it's like raising kids on boats and how she decided to do that with her husband, and also life after sailing, what Charlotte's doing now, what it's like living in the mountains after having lived on a sail, sailboat. And I just had to ask, will she sail again or ever on a boat? So let's get into it and have a chat with Charlotte Coffin. Charlotte Kaufman, thank you so, so, so much for being on the This Girl Sales podcast. You have an amazing story and I just can't wait to share it with my listeners. Thank you for being here. Oh yes, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me and thanks again for your flexibility as we got this scheduled. Charlotte, for those listeners who don't know who you are, can you share a little bit about yourself and your sailing journey and how you ventured into sailing originally? Uh, sure. Well, you know, people might know me from several, they might know me different ways. So they might know me as the founder of Women Who Sail. Women Who Sail is the largest online group of women sailors in the world. Our main group has over 17,000 members, and the sub and regional groups have over 25,000. Amazing. So, um, we're a large community, and I am so proud to have started that group because it's just a fantastic supportive um, resource for women on the water. Mm. Um, So people might know me that way, and then they also might know me through the story of what happened to me and my family five years ago when we were en route on our boat, Rebel Heart, crossing the Pacific um, from Mexico to the South Pacific. And during that crossing, um, this is now kind of an infamous journey, our youngest daughter got sick. And um, we had this, ca- this cascading series of events that ended up in us needing to call for a rescue. And we were rescued at sea, and that story was picked up by the media, and it was really catchy. Um, the headline of a sick baby being rescued at sea in a slow news week really resonated. And um, we were in the news for, gosh, over a week, maybe seven to ten days. It became quite an international story. And... Um, the, the mainstream media and social media were not very kind to us. Basically, people who don't know, didn't know about sailing um, or cruising with kids just thought it was basically insane and um, rang us through the ringer, run, ran us through the ringer, and uh, that's how people might have heard that story. We did do an interview in This American Life, and um, I will soon be publishing a book about what happened to us um, so that's, you know, there you go, me in a nutshell, which is kind of two crazy stories. Yeah, wow. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what it's firstly, you know, the that story, but also having kids on boats, like that in itself is people think, you know, you're nuts, kids in small spaces, let alone on a dangerous moving platform. What was your initial drive with you and your, your husband to sell up everything and have a boat and have your kids on the boat on, on, on the water. What was your drive there? Well, we didn't initially, um, have kids when we met and that it wasn't 
like, hey, let's take our kids sailing. So that's kind of like, you know, the first step was I just met this handsome guy. <laughs> and on our second date, he says to me, I'm going to sail around the world. And um, the first thing I thought in my head when he said those words were, can I come too? Um, but I've been a lifelong traveler. Um, by the time before I met him, before he said those words, I had already traveled to 15 countries. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed traveling. So here's this gorgeous guy saying, you know, here's my plan. I'm gonna. I've already. I've already owned boats. I'm an experienced sailor. I'm gonna get a boat, and I'm gonna sail all over. And I just kept asking him questions, and it sounded more and more like an adventure I wanted to know more about. So as we kept dating, um, I started researching more about this idea of living on a boat. And he took me sailing for the first time um, with our friend Ryan to Catalina Island. We sailed out of San Diego. Um, and I felt in love with sailing. Uh, and 10 months into dating, we bought our boat together. I just thought, this guy, I, I have got to sail around the world together with this guy. So, yeah, it wasn't initially, let's take our kids because there were no kids yep. um, in the beginning. Uh, but, but what about you? You know, like you sail with a kid. Do you live aboard full time? Yes, we do now. Yes. Um, like you, my partner and I met um, before kids, but he was a sailor and I was sailing on a different boat and it sort of brought us together. Um, and we initially, when we first got together, we didn't actually think we'd have kids. And then one thing led to another and, you know, we had our beautiful baby boy and it was always in our plan to, to go cruising full time. And, um, yeah, we just knew that raising a child on the water was something we wanted to do because of the freedom and the lifestyle. And we just want him to see the world for all of its beauty. Um, and the minimalist lifestyle is something that I really love for him, you know, really enjoying and being grateful for the simple things and I feel that that's what we're doing, living aboard. It's just, yeah, it's mind-blowing. I love it. Yeah, I feel you on that. We were really into the idea of simple living and minimalism. And gosh, I think we bought the boat in 2004 or 2005. And we decided to move aboard. You know, we set a five-year plan to save our money and do our day jobs and, and have enough to go sail around the world. But in 2007, I just said, what are we doing living in an apartment? Mm. Why don't we just move aboard the boat full time? You can't sail around the world until you actually live on the boat. So like, let's do that now. Keep saving. Um, and that was our process initially of the whole downsizing and living minimally. And um, it ended up, I guess I'm going on a tangent now, but I, I want to say that like minimalist living kind of helped us through the recession in 2008 oh. because we just, we didn't have a lot of expenses. We didn't yes. have a lot of debt. Um, and as the, as, as we got married in 2008, um, and the world kind of economically began crashing, we just were living on this boat and, um, we, we were more secure than others because of the simple lifestyle, which is pretty handy. Yes. And, and to what you were saying about kids and minimal life living, um, 
there's really something to be said about not having a lot of things and letting nature be your playground. Yes. It's, it's just, it's wonderful. And when we did finally realize, hey, you know, we want to have a family, we want to have kids, we wanted to be able to show our kids parts of the world that will soon be forever altered through climate change, which just people won't ever be able to visit again or see the way they currently are, um, which is really a privilege to be able to, to do that yes. get, and show your kids that part of the world, as I'm sure you've thought about and have already started showing your kid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and the animals as well, you know, um, we went out the other morning just for a quick sail out of the Gold Coast here and like literally two miles offshore there was whales so mother yeah a mother and her calf and my son was just like squealing with delight and then there was a turtle and you know I mean this is all before eight o'clock in the morning like it was just you know like my my partner and I are are so excited and then he's so excited and ah it's just beautiful to share that together and to have it right on our doorstep is just I I love that I absolutely love that and how old is your son? He's four. He's four. Okay. Oh, that's such a fun age. Yes. That's wonderful. Full of yeah. energy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, when, when we were, um, when we were being, you know, run through the media, you know, people were saying, oh, how could you sail with kids? How could you have kids on boats? Um, and we had had them on our boat from the beginning. We brought, we, mm. were li- we would lift aboard and we brought both of our daughters home from the hospital to their home, yes. which was our boat. Mm. So from the beginning, raising children on, on a boat was the only thing that we knew. Yes. Uh, and we had created a community of fellow boat parents and we, you know, we connected with them and we, we planned before the children came, um, and we talked to each other to the, this community about best practices. Yes. You know, like what can we do for safety? What we, there, and there are so many things that you can do to prepare to have a kid on a boat. And, and yeah, and we did them. As I'm sure you have as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a huge priority, obviously, for our safety. But then knowing that we have to raise a four-year-old. He was a lot younger then, but, um, you know, he... Everything we we like you. We talked to other cruisers. We read so many books. Um, but you know, on the flip side, bringing Spencer up on the boat is actually we're we're making him aware of of other things as well. You know, like be careful when you're doing this and think about before you go and jump off and do that. Think about you know the consequences and you can see him really thinking about things and that's I just love that because when he goes ashore or he's dealing with other kids he's thinking about other things before they happen you know and both both kids are in a league of their own they're just truly fantastic um little little human beings yeah and there's tons of studies that show that children thrive when they're able to make risks take risks and when they're, they're able to learn and if they see adults doing the same thing it just it just benefits them um, I don't mean risky behavior, but I mean making decisions every day that are important and yes. are real. Yes. Yep. Love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Charlotte, what what was it about this the sailing lifestyle that really what resonated with you? Like the sailing itself. Like I know the min- minimalism and and what have you is 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 fantastic, but the actual physical sailing itself. 
did you, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, if you want to give a thought, thought finish it. Oh, I was just thinking, finish. like, did you, um, you said you loved sailing and you fell in love with it. Did you, were you really involved with the actual, you know, the hoisting the sails and the anchoring and all, all of that as well? Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. Not, not at first because I had never sailed before. Um, so I was learning and we did buy a boat together and initially my husband tried to teach me how to sail and that did not go well. Yep. <laughs> it is about, you know, and it's not just sailing. I, I hear this all the time, you know, like, you know, my husband tried to teach me how to golf or my husband, or, um, there's a power dynamic there that it didn't work. And, um, I, I ended up getting sailing lessons and it was just the best idea ever yeah. um, to learn from someone else. And, and I actually, by the time I took my first, my first course, um, I, and I walked in thinking, Oh, I'm such a noob here. I am. I'm living on a boat. I'm sailing all the time. And I ended up knowing far more than anybody else in the class. So that was just a confidence just from my experience already. That was a confidence booster. Uh, but taking my courses and getting certified, and then going back to the boat and sailing with Eric helped both of us. And there was this one moment after I had my ASA certification where we we were out for sale, and I made a suggestion. This was the first time post you know post certification. I made a suggestion to him, and he I, I distinctly remember he opened his mouth to kind of it looked like he was going to counteract my suggestion, but he stopped. And I saw him like kind of thinking and processing, and he goes. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. And, you know, he really put his money where his mouth was. And he let me start learning on my own and, and asserting my, my, my knowledge. And I just have to give him credit for that. I mean, that's how humans should work. Yes. Um, but in sometimes power dynamics where anyone knows more than the other, it's so easy to just explain why that might not work or not be open to the possibilities. And, um, and Eric didn't do that. So it helped with our partnership in sailing and letting me, you know, become more experienced. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, just on that with your partner, how do you, how did you find living in a, in a small space? Cause I know we get people ask, often ask that, you know, like how can you spend so much time with your other half? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got that question too. Um, you know, before we left for cruising, we both were working land jobs as we like to call them. Um, so we weren't constantly together because we were, he was headed off to his job and I was headed off to mine. Yep. Um, but we were sailing as often as we could. And I just, we like being together. Mm. I, 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 I often, when, when people ask me that question, I was often thinking the reverse of like, well, how, how come you don't like being with your partner a lot? You know, yes. um, as a, instead of making me the weirdo, I thought maybe it's, maybe it's them. I don't know. We really have, we never ran out of things to talk about. We never, um, we never didn't mind sitting in silence. Um, it's not like the ocean or ceiling is boring. You know, we really enjoyed the views. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, there were times, let's say, for example, we, when we had a fight because, you know, we're humans. And in those cases, I often had a spot. I would go into the V-Birth on my side and kind of, Scoot across, scoot as close as I could, <laughs> out of the line of sight, and that was my spot. And Eric would often go top sides, so I guess we just had our corners that we could go to. And for us, we didn't need 
a giant house, you know, five bedrooms away to get away from each other. We could create our space as we needed it. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> we're, we're very similar. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, the fact that, you know, like Joel and I actually really enjoy our, each other's company and I can't imagine it doing it on my own. So, um, yeah, I love it. I love the fact that we get to conquer challenges together and we get to experience so many amazing places. It's, um, yeah, it's really beautiful for our relationship. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, we're constantly entertaining each other. You know, we could, we could both be in silence reading a book Yeah, or, or listening to a podcast separately that it never bothered us to be that close. And I think that, I think when people don't realize how much time they really do spend close to their partner, you know, one person on the couch watching Netflix and the other person is, you know, flipping through their phone, but they are in pretty close proximity. Yes. Um, I just think they think more about space and even Mm. in homes, I think that people tend to populate, they tend to just stay in the same parts of the home and not realize that most people spend most of their time in the kitchen and the living room and the bathroom. Um, yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. <laughs> um, so getting back to kids on boats, Charlotte, do you have any tips or um, thoughts for women that are listening that perhaps are looking to take their kids cruising and they're kind of thinking, you know, what do I need to know or, or anything like that? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Um, I would say do what women um, have been doing for centuries and reach out to the communities out there to start reading and connecting and asking questions and finding out questions you didn't even know you could ask. I would also say to buy the book Voyaging with Kids. Yes. um, Because it's definitely kind of the, it's the book I wish was around when I was um, getting started and it's, uh, written by Bean Gifford and Sarah Don Johnson and oh gosh, what's Michael's last name? Um, uh, oh gosh, I feel I feel I always forget. I'd have Voyaging to look it up. With kids, we're gonna look it up. Hold on, <laughs> Guide to Family Life Afloat. Let's get all the authors in here. Michael Robertson, thank you. Perfect. Um, and it was also published by Lynn Party. You know. A, a living goddess yes. and sailing legend. Yes. So I would highly recommend that book. I'd also recommend joining my group, Women Who Sail, and also Kids Aboard, mm. um, and connecting with community. You know, in the same way that mom groups are exist on land, and you're asking about which, um, you know, whatever baby product it is, um, or how do you do this at school, or which parks, you know, what do you do for when you go to the park? Ask these questions of parents on boats. We're, we're so ready to answer them and connect with other like-minded people. Yeah, fabulous. And there is now the Women Who Sail Australia book uh, group. As you said, that's um, a subsidiary of your original Women Who Sail. And I use that group all the time to just mm-hmm. read other information and ask questions if I've, if I've got them. And it's, I've just been... When I was getting, you know, when we first left to go cruising, it was so amazing to have a space that I could ask a question and I never once felt like it was a stupid question. I always got really genuine, amazing answers from from experienced women. It was just, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad. Yeah, I know. 
think there might have been a few founders of that of that subgroup, um, but I know for sure Shelley Wright and yes. Jackie Perry yes. were among them. And I can't recommend enough their magazine on their online magazine, Sistership Magazine. Yes, um, because it has the same feeling as these groups. You know, the support, the the knowledge. Um, th- so definitely read Sistership, and and if you're in Australia. Then Women Who Sail Australia, oh, it's awesome. There's also Women Who Sail New Zealand if you're nearby. Yeah, great. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. And Tina, I was going to ask you. Speaking of Australia, so you're Canadian. Yeah. But but you're but you moved to Australia because because like these are two places that I just absolutely love. So you're doubly cool. Is this? Did I get this right? Oh yeah, about the doubly cool for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was born in um, on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. Um, dad was Canadian, mum was an Aussie. They actually met skiing and moved to, um, Australia, um, when we were, well, when I was, what was it, 1992, we moved over, um, Uh and moved to Tasmania. So one beautiful island to another. Um, yeah, 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 and, um, I never really sailed. We always spent a lot of time on the water. Like dad's a mad fly fisherman and mum grew up on boats and around, you know, surfing and all that sort of stuff. But specifically sailing, I didn't get into that until um, later in life, just watching twilight sails at our, on our local river. And um, yeah, so that's, that's my journey to, from Canada to Australia. Um, yeah. Oh, thanks for letting me know. Cause you know, I know, you know, my readers, um, and followers will be listening. So it's always kind of good to know more about, about you and your journey. And also tell me, so you live on your boat with your, with your partner and your four-year-old Spencer. And what kind of boat do you live on? We are on a Beneteau First 44.7. Um, okay. Yeah. And we, you know, as everyone does, we had a, a list of boats that we liked and we went through the process of, you know, what was going to work for us and our you know, the safety of everyone on board was a huge contributor to this boat. And we also wanted a, a fast cruiser. So we often get a lot of people going, wow, that's a really weird boat to be cruising on. But um, we love it. It's, it's strong. It's fast, which, you know, when you're doing multi-day passages, if you can get in a day or, you know, so sooner, then it's I'm all for that. Um, and it's super comfortable. And, um, yeah, I mean... you it's part of our family. She's, she's a family member. I have two kids. I have Spencer and our, and our yacht Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, we're That's cruising. Awesome. We, we sold up everything in Tasmania and we, I said to my partner, if we don't do this now, we're, we're never going to do it. And we're living the dream. We love it. Live that dream. Mm. I love it. Mm. And are you, t- are you doing this podcast right now from the boat? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're currently in, um, Southport on the Gold Coast in Australia, and we're swinging around on the on the anchor because it's been really windy here for the last last week or so. So, um, yeah, it's great. My office is moving <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, so just like, help people visualize this, okay? Because people are always like, "How could you live with a kid on a boat?" And, and and I know people. It's hard for them to really even imagine what a house looks like within a boat. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I even had one friend ask me one time, how do you keep the rain out? Yes. So they, like, they, I don't think they, they got it. There was a top. 
there's a cabin top, you know, like, so if you're doing this podcast, you know, what, we'll call it a room, what room are you in, where's Spencer right now, because I, I just want to show people that, you know, people, you can live a life and do things when you're on a boat. Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. So I am currently sitting at my dining room table, which is a little bit smaller than your traditional dining room table that you'd find at home. Um, we've got a, a white leather lounge, if you want to say that. So I'm sitting looking at my kitchen, which is probably almost within arm's reach because it is a smaller space. But we've got a, we've got a stove. I can see my stove and the kitchen sink. Um, on my left-hand side, I can look out the window and see a beautiful white sandy beach. Um, and then on my right-hand side, I've got what we call our office. Um, and we've got three bedrooms on board. So my son's got his own room and my partner and I have our own room. We've got two toilets with shower and running hot water, which is just amazing because our boat prior to this that we were living aboard didn't have hot water. Um, okay. so yeah, so it's an absolute luxury. Um, and we've got a spare room, which we call our garage, which is full of you know, space space and storage on a boat is, is a luxury. We don't have a lot of it, but we do have more than most boats. Um, so bigger items go into the garage or spare bedroom, and that gets cleared out if we have anyone staying with us or if we take, you know, crew with us on a, on a trip. Um, but it's beautiful and light and airy. Um, we've got hatches or port lights as our windows which we can open to let the breeze in and they let the sunlight in um so I've got a couple above my head that I just open up and let the breeze through the boat because it gets warm we don't have air conditioning or a heater um so we rely on you know the breeze blowing over the boat and through the boat to keep us cool um when we lived in Tasmania we lived on the boat over winter and um, it was bloody cold. <laughs> so, you know, when we, we, when we first left, we, um, it was about, we were having seven degree days. So Celsius, not sure what the conversion is to Fahrenheit, but, um, it, um, you know, we had frost on the decks and it was so cold. So to be living, I feel living on a boat in a warm climate is a lot more comfortable. I mean, I like the warmer weather anyway, but you sort of, you you live a lot of inside outside, you know, we, we walk up onto our decks, which is our outside area, um, and we often have the doors and windows open so that we're very much in tune with, you know, what's going on outside. And um, part of living on a boat means that as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm actually moving. So we're on, we've got the anchor set, but we swing around with the wind. So I'm sort of moving from side to side as the mo- boat moves on the water, but we're also swinging around, so... Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that um, because it, you know in my upcoming book about Rebel Heart, um, the first thing I say in the prologue is part of living on a boat that I think land people do not don't take into consideration, and it's not shown well in films and on TV, is how much you are in constant motion. Yes. So you know, right now you're at anchor, so you're kind of swinging, you know, laterally, but. It, when you're underway, it's like you, you're going up, you're going down, you're going this way, you're going that way. And when people are telling their stories of, of sailing, I think 
at least when I when I when I tell my story, I, I really try and get keep the idea of constant movement and what that looks like for a family, and when you're eating, when you're cooking, when you're making, you know, when you're washing your dishes, when you're holding your kid, um, and people will try and, and compare sailing because you've just described a really small living space, and they'll say, oh, I, well, I lived on, in an RV or I lived in a studio, but those things don't move mm. the way that boats do. And that's one major difference is the constant companion of movement. Yeah. Yeah. And you always have to look at, um, you know, what's on your bench tops, what's going to fall over. If I leave my coffee here and we're sailing, it's going to slide off and end up on the floor. Or, you know, I don't know how many times my poor laptop has fallen off our, our um, desk and onto the floor and, you know, can't really do the pot plant thing unless they're, you know, screwed into something and they're not going to move and, or swing and yeah. kids learn physics really quickly, right? Uh, because it's the same thing for anything they set down as well. Yes, and also their movement. Like Spencer, he get kids are amazing. You know, he gets around the boat so much easier than we do. You know, we look like we're you know drunk, wearing high heels, and he just zooms across <laughs> the decks. You know, like he's yeah, it's fantastic. But it's also really great for your health because when you're sailing and moving constantly, you use your your core all of the time to keep yourself upright and it's it can be really exhausting like you can do a day trip let alone multi-day passage but people go I'm so tired I'm like yeah because you've been working out for like 12 hours straight keeping yourself it's very physical yeah even when you're just sitting just sitting yep you know, during a passage, you're constantly, like you said, with your core, mm. you're, counterba- you're counteracting, you know, to keep that, keep upright. Yeah. Right. And our, what you said about motion, I mean, our life is perpetual motion where the boat's moving or, you know, we're moving, we might have to move Anchorage because there's wind coming. So we have to be somewhere where we're more protected or there's a really amazing island that we want to go and discover. So we go move there. So there's also... Plus, we've got a four-year-old, and, you know, he never stops moving, let alone, it doesn't matter if he's on land or on a boat anyway, so... <laughs> move. Right, and then you've got tides to consider, and the wind. Yes. Yeah. It's just always, it's, yeah, it's constant movement. Yeah, yeah. There's not a break, you know, it's not like, well, we're sleeping now, it's nighttime, it's quiet, you know, mm. things stop moving, no, no. never. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah, um, which I love, and you do, you know, I mean, I don't, like, when you ask me now is the boat moving and stuff and yeah it is but I don't actually realize that so you know like Joel and I can be sitting here reading a book and the boat's being swung around and someone that doesn't isn't used to that's going you know oh is everything all right and we're like yeah why like oh we're moving so much yeah. we're like oh yes <laughs> that's normal <laughs> yeah I remember the first, my just my first steps onto a boat and um, I was like whoa you know it felt so bouncy and you see that when your guests Mm. and everything feels very stable to you you know oh we're at a dock it's Mm. it's not moving at all but even even still then they can feel the movement that they're not on solid ground you know yes but you do get used to it you do yeah and I actually get um like I'm actually quite lucky I don't really get seasickness um badly I get a bit sort of you know shitty for the first few days but then um I actually get a lot worse when I step back onto land and I'm not and I'm not moving like that's when I feel really queasy and it's weird for the first little while so it's amazing what you get used to yeah I had the same experience the first time we were sailing to Catalina and 
we got, you know, we've got a shore and we went to use the public showers and yes. the enclosed space, yes. I, I felt like everything was moving. Yep. It was um, really uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. 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 Um, so Charlotte, we just want to change gears a little bit. So, um, and talk about your, um, experience in 2014, if we can. Um, so you experienced every sailor's, let alone parents' worst nightmare and had to abandon your home, your boat at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, you'll, you'll, you've got your book coming out, Rebel Heart, which will go through, um, your experience. But I, as a mother who sails with a child, um, and I, and I read about that experience, the first thing that comes to me is how did you juggle you, yourself, your children when it came to safety through that experience? And how did you look after your kids and, and yourself through all of that? Because that's something I, I really worry about, you know, like it's all very well for me to look after myself, my partner to look after himself. But when you throw a child into the mix or two kids, how did you, how did you handle all that? And did you have systems in place before that to, to fall back on? Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, you know, so I think, I think in a lot of ways, our rescue went as well as it did because of how prepared we were. Yes. You know, my, my husband is a, a U.S. Coast Guard licensed captain. Um, he'd been sailing for all his life. Um, we, I had lived on that boat and sailed on that boat, oh gosh, since 2004, 2005 when we bought it. Um, you know, I was a certified sailor and I was not a newbie. Um, and we had, just before we left Mexico, Eric had run a whole um, day, Saturday day clinic for the cruisers there uh, on boat safety and had done, like, they had inflated a, a, a you know, a life raft and they had, they had done, it was, we were definitely prepared. Um, and, you know, we had the ditch bag. We had all the things that one would do for any type of emergency at sea. We had been planning for this crossing for years um and i think in, there were several ways we were lucky which might sound weird to, to hear me say when we ended up you know losing our boat um but it wasn't like we had been hit by a whale and our boat was going down in five minutes yes we never had to abandon our ship and get into a life raft we weren't in the water you know one of us wasn't having to pull one of us out of the water or get into water into a life raft so there were some scenarios that could have happened to us at sea, which let's just say are extremely rare. Um, you know, cause when we start talking about scary things, I really want to make it clear that the, these things are so rare and can really be avoided so many ways by using, by, by careful sailing. Yes. Um, but, and, and none of those things happened to us, the random, you know, we didn't hit a shipping container. So we're, we were on a, a, a vessel that was sound when we had to make this decision to call for help. Um, and when we did call for help, we didn't have to leave the vessel. We waited to see who was going to come to give our daughter medical assistance. So, so I guess in, in that part of your question, it's not like I had to manage getting my 13 month old into a life raft, yes. you know? And I think those are some of the things that were, that would have terrified me. That would, that would have been so awful and traumatizing and it didn't happen. 
Now, there were really scary parts of the rescue, um, life-threatening parts, because being rescued at sea really involves some dynamics that are dangerous. Mm. Um, but we had some amazing rescuers who were dropped into the ocean from a C-130, um, pararescuemen who are medical, they're combat medics. So when they got into our boat, the first thing they did was start administering aid to our daughter and assessing her vitals. And they had a satellite phone that worked because ours was turned off by our satellite phone company. Um, and they were able to get in touch with medical professionals and, uh, they kept her stable until a larger vessel came. So one part that was really scary, um, besides that she was ill, um, but it was, it was a big boon to have medical professionals there rendering aid to her, was how are we going to now transfer her and our family? Because it wasn't like we were just going to like send our 13-month-old on without us and we could go sail to the South Pacific. Um, <laughs> how do we get off of our boat? and onto the Vandegrift, this big Navy ship. And there, there was only two methods, and it was we jump from our boat to a rib, a rigid inflatable boat, uh, and then that boat has got to be hauled ashore, you know, hauled onto the larger vessel, or we jump into the water away from the mast and, you know, and the halyards, and we're then pulled out of the water by helicopter. And... Let me tell you that both of those options are dangerous and scary, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we were in the hands of professionals. You know, if you, you don't ever want to have to be rescued, but let me tell you, if you are in this situation where you are going to be rescued, if, if it's the Coast Guard pararescuemen para who are coming, you're, you're in really good hands. They, they were incredible throughout the entire ordeal. Um, they helped, you know, I wasn't the one jumping from the boat. It was these guys who jumped with my kids. So, wow. God, that's hard. It was hard to think about. Um, they were, they're amazing and we're really bonded to those men for life. Yeah. I'm I can imagine. I mean, wow. What, what a, um, I mean for a mother family to, um, yeah, to have your chick, uh, your, um, sick child is one thing, but to, yeah, to then have to pass them over to, to get them rescued. That's just um, heart-wrenching. <laughs> but thank thank God that they were there to help you. That's so Yeah, so I, wonderful. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. You know, how you jump with both. Yes. You can't. We needed the help, and thank God they were there. You know, thank, thank goodness there are people in this world who devote their life to helping others in need. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean... A lot of people ask me when I'm sailing, like, because I am a mother and I have a child, do you get scared? And, and you know, fear is such a big thing about, well, A, living this lifestyle in the first place to take that leap out of the norm and to set off sailing. Um, and, I mean, apart from, you know, this, the, the incident that you had where you had to be rescued, do you, did you have to battle with fear a lot when you were taking off sailing? Vis-a-vis sailing with kids or just in general sailing? Sailing with kids. Um, no. No more so than I do living on land. And I have to tell you, I live in fear more for my children on land <laughs> every day than when I was sailing with them. And I think all we have to do for a moment is step outside of the security mirage that we live in 
like the comfort of the known, which makes things seem safe mm. and which makes th- different things seem unsafe. And just look at numbers. You know, every single time I drive with my children, I am putting them at, in, 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 in great danger. You know, like the two biggest killers of kids right now in America are um, automobile accidents and guns. Mm. So I send my kids to public schools. We live in this, you know, idyllic small town in the mountains, and we've had two lockdowns in the last two years of real threats of school shooters. Um, I just, when people say, oh, you're so scared to take them sailing, I I really want them to look at the things that are really scary right now. And it's my neighbor on my dead end street who will, he will not stop speeding. Um, it's a real threat is cars and children. And unfortunately in America, guns. And when I was sailing with my kids, I looked at the ways to be safe in the same way. When I drive with my kids, I have them in car seats that are properly installed and I follow you know, the driving laws, I do what I can to minimize the risks, but it's far more dangerous to drive with my kids than it was to sail. Mm. Yes. I love that you say that. It's, um, it's definitely, a, you know, that's what I answer a lot of people to a lot of people when they ask me that is, you know, think about what you do in your daily life. It's just that sailing is so foreign to people. They think it's automatically dangerous, but living on land is, yeah. Yeah, try and reverse it. And say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you terrified every moment you're in the car with your kids? Because you probably should, should be. be. Yeah. But we can't live that way. So we take these things that are extremely dangerous, but we have deemed as necessary for modern living. And we do the best things we can as far as best practices and soldier on doing something extremely dangerous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Food for thought. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Charlotte, after losing your boat, you swapped the ocean for the mountains. And we were talking before and I was saying that sometimes when I'm sailing, I do not want to be out there and I would love a little house in the mountains as far away from the ocean as possible. (laughs) Um, do you, do you have fond memories of sailing and do you miss the ocean or do you sail anymore? there uh we do i miss sailing yes sometimes um (laughs) i think sailing is a little bit like parenting in that there's an amnesia that occurs and you you tend to not to, to to forget the bad parts and remember the good parts maybe that's just life or the things you really love yes you know it's easy to it's easy to do that, is to erase the parts that are hard. So, yeah, we I, I, I can't speak for Eric, uh, but I can say that I miss parts of sailing. Um, but not everything. You know, when we, we thought sailing was the only way we could get what we wanted out of parenting, and we found that um, living up in the, in the mountains, in a small community, we have this access to nature. Um, you know, we've got black bears trying to... They're climbing on our deck mm. and mule deer that walk through our yards. Um, we are around people. We live in a community of doers. 
um, people are really passionate about the outdoors and are constantly outside and doing things in the way that sailors were. Um, we also are, are very aware of the elements in the same way where you, you pop your head up, out and you're like, what's the wind today? What's the weather? Because we're living in it. It's the same, living at 8,000 feet altitude. And there is a sense of community in the mountains where people do have to set aside differences, including political differences, <laughs> because in the same way where it might be your dinghy that won't start, you know, and a squall's coming in, some you're gonna need some help. Yes. Uh, it's the same thing in the mountains. You're, you know, if your car is in a ditch in the snow, that could be you one day, or it could be your neighbor the next. And people really look out for each other. There's like a sense of everybody kind of getting it when you live in a, such a harsh environment and beautiful environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we there's a lot that the life in the mountains gives us that we had initially kind of I maybe snobbishly thought. We could only get through sailing, and that's not true. We found a lot of the same things there. Fabulous. Sounds sounds beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have, is there a common myth about women or mums on boats that you'd like to debunk? So true. So How about true. you? Do you find anything as a common myth? Because I just think we're more unique than anything. Well, I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, living on a boat and, and having kids on a boat is just crazy. And um, <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that is a myth. And that's just fear of the unknown, I think, because we, we, you know, as you do when you're sailing, you meet the most amazing people. And the community is a lot smaller than you'd think. And there are, there are a lot of families and a lot of mums out there with their kids sailing. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful lifestyle. And I think, you know, it's not all champagne and cocktails, but it's not all, you know, Southern Ocean storms and, um, you know, drama all the time either. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a fabulous, fabulous way to live. But as you said, you know, like it, it's similar to a small community in the mountains or remote, remote locations, living in remote locations where you, you know, I mean, we rely on complete strangers and I am every day, every day we do this, I am humbled by how wonderful people are, you know, like we had a, an incident a couple months ago where a, a couple ran aground on just, just near Rockwall and, you know, we we didn't even think about it. We just helped them and they were so grateful and we've had to help people. And, and yeah, I love that. It really restores my, you know, faith in humanity. Yeah. The neighborliness, even amongst strangers. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It and is. it's not like you know people you know oh it's crazy to live on a boat, but you know I kind of like to try and reverse things often, and I and and ask people, well, yeah, how crazy is it to live on land mm. and you know commute for an hour each way and, and exactly and live the way we're all you know people on land are currently living. I, I, I try to challenge people to really think about that and the quality of life and whether or not their initial gut reaction to what's crazy live on a boat is just really a way of saying I'm used to the way I live. Yeah. You know, I haven't thought of any other way of living and maybe I should. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> there's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely worth assessing your lifestyle when you can, you know, there are other options there. You can pile your kids into a boat or a caravan or pack your backpacks and see the world. Like, it's possible. It is possible. It seems scary, but it's far out. It's so, it's good. It's good to have the time with your kids and your partner. Yeah, and there's so many ways to do it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be all this way or all that way. You know, you can house swap, you can do it in the summers when you're not in school. Um, There's ways to expand, you know, and and adventure where it's just not all all in. And I do think, and you haven't asked this question, but maybe this is a way to segue to it because people often ask that we might, you know, if we, you know, people I get asked, are we ever going to buy a boat again? Yes. And um, (laughs) I, I think that most likely we will we'll dabble, you know, like we might charter a boat Mm. or spend a summer, um, where we've swapped our house with somebody's boat, um, so that we can reintroduce our children to boats and, um, you know, kind of the secret club of people doing amazing things on sailboats, but not go all in like we were all in before with Rebel Heart. Yes. Yeah, that's it. There are options, aren't there? You, you know, like we meet people yeah. who cruise for six months and work on land for six months, and absolutely, m- maybe they don't have the the sixty foot, you know, yacht, but they've got a smaller boat so that they can do both. They can have the land life and the boat life, um, and they've got jobs that are flexible enough to do that. And there's so many options. There's so many options. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I've never met. A, I've never met a, like the, the goal, like the. Nobody fits a standard when it comes to sailing. It's yes. Everybody's oh. doing it a unique way. So true. Including the families. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do your kids feel about sailing? Do they do they talk about it? Or is it something they were, you know, that they're just scared of? Or? or... Well, they're not scared of it. Um, but, you know, our youngest was 13 months yeah. when the rescue happened. So she really doesn't remember. And then um, our oldest was, uh, do the math, do the math, I always forget, two and a half or three and a half, three and a half. Mm-hmm. So um, she does occasionally have memories from the boat, but none of them are scary. Good. Good. Um, and she, our youngest actually was asking the other day, when can we go sailing? Um, hmm. And it'll happen. Yeah. It'll, it'll definitely happen. But, you know, they weren't scarred by the... By the rescue, they they look at pictures and think it looks really cool, and we definitely want to reintroduce them so that they can, you know, it's not like we all of a sudden, after the rescue, didn't care about the things we cared about as far as what, what sailing could offer our kids. Yeah. Um, we'd still like to offer that, that skill and experience to them. 
Amazing. That's good. That's great to hear. So, Charlotte, what does life look for you now? So you're living in the mountains, but what what else what else do you do? Uh, I work. I'm a technical writer, and I do production support for a company. I work remotely, and I'm raising my kids. Cora is now nine, and Lyra is six. And they snowboard, and they're going to start cross-country skiing, and we hike and backpack. Um, and we're, we're basically doing what we wanted to do on a sailboat with nature. We're doing that in the mountains. We're, we snowshoe. You know, we're doing everything we can as far as taking advantage of the incredible wilderness that we live in. We live right next to the Ansel Adam Wilderness and the John Muir Wilderness and Yosemite um, we just, we live in some incredible nature. So we're taking advantage of that. Um, I've written the book Rebel Heart and that will, um, hopefully get to publishers soon and then out into the world. And I plan to write for the rest of my life. Rebel Heart's not my first and hopefully only book. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, we have touched on the Rebel Heart, um, the book, um, can you tell people that maybe don't know the the actual story, like what what the book's about, and and when you know what when when is it coming, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, you know, I, what I want to say is, uh, you know, we kind of talked about the rescue a bit, mm. and and the the book absolutely includes the details of what happened to us on the Pacific Ocean during the crossing and the rescue. There, the only other public account of that is our interview with This American Life which is about 20 minutes and only focuses on a few details. So this is really my chance to tell the story of what happened. Um, you know, the, it was in the media for so long, but we were never interviewed. Mm. Um, so it's, I'm looking forward to be able to you know, put my voice um, out there as to, hey, you know, if, if you're wondering what happened, here is the story. But the book is about more than being rescued at sea. The book is really a love story. You know, It starts with meeting my husband and and the second date pronouncement of I want to sail around the world and <laughs> how we decided to just do, go about doing that together and and then you know like, okay well, let's get married and then the kids come and after the rescue you know what happens when you're when you're rescued at sea and you lose your boat and how do you put your life back together when your entire relationship has been mm marching along with the stream and now the dream's just boo um we had to i, I definitely discuss uh how we built our lives after that um so yeah that's the rebel hearts more than just a rescue at sea it would have to be to be a full a, be a full book and I, i'd like to call it a, an adventure a real life adventure story amazing i can't wait for it to come out and read it it's gonna be fabulous um so with that coming out and where can where can the listeners connect with you and follow you online? Well the easiest way is probably just through my website because that's easy to remember and it's charlottecoffman.com and through there I have all the links to social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, I'm the founder of Women Who Sail and if, if anybody's listening to this and you are a woman and you're even slightly interested in sailing, you can join. You yes. know, there's no litmus test at the beginning for sniffing out sailors or real sailors, dreaming sailors, or even daydreaming sailors are allowed into our group. Come, you know, experience the magic, start to fall in love. So definitely join Women Who Sail. Um, 
and I, I love to interact with people online. So please follow me through my channels and say hello. Fantastic. Um, Charlotte, thank you again for, for chatting with me and sharing, sharing your story. Um, as I said, I'm really looking forward to reading your book, Rebel Heart, and it's been so wonderful to, to talk to you. So thank you. Let's, um, I'm going to wrap it up now and um, have a fabulous evening. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tina. It was a pleasure. It was really nice chatting with you. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks. Mm, that was so so good I just loved Charlotte's story and I can't wait for her book to come out and if you're the same you can keep an eye on her website social media channels charlottekaufman.com I'll leave all of the links in the show notes below thank you again for listening to the This Girl Sales podcast and please let me know if there's any other female sailors that you'd like to hear from just drop comments on the website or on the social channels and I'll see what I can do about getting them on the show. In the meantime, happy sailing. Happy sailing.